But if you have a Bible with you, and I hope you do, let me encourage you to hold it up right now and repeat after me. This is God's Word. I believe what it says is true. It teaches me how to know God and how to live for God. It has the power to change my life. Now, open up your Bibles to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. And once you find Malachi chapter 3, turn over to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, and turn to Matthew chapter 23. I've been pastoring for 34 years now. And when you pastor for 34 years, you hear a lot of things. And you see a lot of things. And some of these things you never, ever forget. And two of the things that I've seen and heard that I will never forget have to do with giving. And they have to do with giving when I preached on this passage that I'm preaching on this morning. The first one occurred when I was just 28 years old. And I didn't know a lot, but I had a lot of zeal. And I preached a message from Malachi 3 on tithing. And, and I, I slammed down some books on our communion table to get people's attention. And called people thieves and robbers if they weren't tithing. And, and after I preached that message, this older man in our church, he was a deacon. And he was the wealthiest man in the church. Came up to me and said, Pastor, that was a really good message. But I still don't agree with you on tithing. Well, you need to understand that, that just months earlier, we had voted on a policy where all of our leaders, including deacons, committed a tithe. We believed that that was a biblical concept that, at the very least, all of our leaders should do. And I said, well, brother, and I'm going to change the name. I said, brother Bob, I'm convinced that I'm never going to convince you the Bible teaches tithing. But as a deacon... You've made a commitment to tithe. And he looked me square in the eyes. He bowed back. And he said, I've never made that commitment. Well, he was at our church when we voted on that policy. And he signed an agreement saying he agreed with that policy. Well, we got together multiple times after then. And I, I tried to convince him. I prayed with him to, to follow our policy. And he wouldn't. And so in the end, we had to ask two men who had been deacons for many years to step down. That led to me being cussed out in church. The only time I've ever been cussed out in church. I've been cussed out in other places, but that's the only time in church. The second instant occurred when we lived in Florida. And I was preaching on this same passage, but I didn't even get to preach. I asked everybody to open their Bible to Malachi chapter 3, and, and I began to read, and when I got to the passage that says, you have robbed me of tithes and offerings, I heard this loud noise, and I looked up, and there was this big man who was a member of our church. He'd gotten out of his seat. He was stomping, not walking. He was stomping down the aisle. He opened up the back door, he walked out, and when he left, he slammed the door. Talking about awkward. 
Well, we kept on going, and, and after the service, he didn't go anywhere because his wife didn't leave. He, he was out sitting in his car, and, and so I went out and talked to him. And, and this story really does have a good ending. He apologized. He said, I, I know what the Bible says, but, man, we've got ourselves so strapped. We're in such bad shape that I just feel so guilty because we're not tithing. And we talked, and, and we prayed, and we counseled with him. And, and let me just say that that man became one of my dearest friends at that church. And he became a generous man. Now, it's my prayer that, that as we look at this passage this morning, we won't have anybody bow up. We won't have anyone stomp out or slam doors. It's my prayer that we will just listen to God's Word and let God's truth speak to our heart. Now, we're in week two of a series that we're calling Generous Life. And last week, we, we started with a, a story that everybody knows. It's the story of Zacchaeus. And we discovered how a greedy man met a grace-filled Savior. And through that encounter, he became a generous man. And that's how it always is, by the way. No matter who we are, when we experience the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of our Savior, it changes us, it transforms us. And we discovered that generosity begins with God. When we encounter God, we become generous people. And by the way, listen, I'm convinced that if we're not generous, it's because something is faulty with our encounter with Jesus. Because meeting Jesus really does make us generous people. Well, well this morning I want us to be, continue the series and, and I want us to look at what is the starting point of generous giving. And as we do, there are three biblical truths I want us just to unpack from these two passages. Now, first of all, I want us to see a principle. And the principle is this. The tithe is the starting point of generous giving. Let me say that again. The tithe is the starting point. It's the starting line of generous giving. Now listen to what it says in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. This is God's Word. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we've never gone away. And then God says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And then God says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. Now let me give you a little bit of background if I may. The people of God, the Israelites, had been living in rebellion against God. They were not following God's commands. They were not following God's decrees. And, and they were disobeying God in a variety of ways. But God chose one specific way to point out their rebellion. He didn't point out idolatry. He didn't point out adultery. He didn't point out perjury. He pointed out their giving. God said, you are robbing me. The word literally means plunder. You're plundering 
me. And then God calls them thieves. Now, how would you feel if someone called you a thief? That happened to me once. I, I was in junior high, middle school today. I was at the beach with another family, and, and we were at Spring Maid Pier, and, and they had this gift shop there, and I was walking in that gift shop, and I walked out, and a man who worked in the shop followed me out. And he accused me of shoplifting. Now listen, I did a lot of awful things when I was younger, but I did not shoplift. And I opened up my pockets, I pulled up my shirt, and man, I was livid. I was angry because this man accused me, I don't know why, for stealing. And it made me angry. So how would you feel if, if somebody accused you of stealing? How would you feel if somebody accused you of being a thief? Now how would you feel if it was God who was accusing you? Because that's what we see right here. God calls the nation of Israel, God calls his people a bunch of thieves because they are not giving their tithes and their offerings. And God says because of it, the whole nation is under a curse. God said, because you have kept the tithe, you have invoked a curse upon yourself, upon your family, and upon your people. Now, why? Out of all of the sins that the people were guilty of, why did God point out this sin? Well, listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 14, verse 23. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. You see, the reason tithing is a big deal is because failing to tithe is a symptom of a much more serious problem. You see, when we fail to tithe, it reveals that we have a heart problem. Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be as well. You see, how we spend our treasures, how we spend our money reveals exactly what is important to us. It reveals where our treasures are. And make no mistake, according to God's Word, if you are not tithing, you're disobeying God and you're out of God's will for your life. No, that's not me saying that. So if you're angry, if you're upset, and you're not going to stomp out because we've already, you know, I'll use you as an example later on. <laughs> Just understand, understand that your anger shouldn't be directed at me. It should be directed at God. Now, notice what God says here. He tells them what they are to give, the tithe. Now, a tithe was a mathematical term. It just simply meant 10%. That's what the word means, 10%. And so if I have $100, I've made $100, a tithe is $10. If I've made $1,000, a tithe is $100. If I make $10,000, a tithe is $1,000. A tithe is just simply 10%. And from the earliest pages of the Bible, we are told that the tithe is the starting point for obedient giving. In Leviticus 20, verse 30, it says, A tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. Now, some of you inevitably are going to say right now, Well, the tithe is under the law. And oh, no, it's not. You, you see, the tithe actually was initiated 400 years before the law was ever given. 
the first person to tithe was Abraham before the law was ever given. The law just continued the tithe. But Abraham, who believed God and God credited to him as righteousness, was the first to tithe to God. And when we get to the New Testament, we discover Jesus commending the tithe. He said it's a good thing to tithe. And the truth of the matter is, listen, the truth of the matter is, nowhere in Scripture can we ever make a case to say that grace will cause us to do less than the law commanded us to do. Let me give you an example. Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, but I say, if you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. Jesus took the law and he expanded it. What about murder? Jesus said, you've heard it say, you shall not commit murder. But I say to you, if you have hate in your heart towards your brother, you are already guilty. What did Jesus do? Jesus took the law and he expanded it. You see, what you need to understand is the love of God will compel us to do far more than the law of God could ever command us to do. You see, the tithe is not a ceiling that when we hit, we've gone as high as we can go. No, the tithe is the floor that we start on. The tithe is not the finish line. The tithe is the starting line. The tithe is not supposed to be the maximum. The tithe is to be the minimum. Now, I want you to look back at what it says. Because God said, you're robbing me not only of tithes, you're robbing me of what? Of offerings. Now that Hebrew word offering means to raise up, to lift up, to exalt. It, it referred to, to sacrificial giving over and above the tithe. It's kind of like this offering that we want to do for Thanksgiving to help people who are less fortunate than us. That's over and above the tithe. It's kind of like what we give to support our global mission initiatives so that we can support missionaries all around the world. It's, it's over and above our tithe. It's, it's, it's what we give to our, our forward campaign to help us pay off our debt so that we can give more to missions and give more to help people. Why? It's over and above the tithe. You see, the tithe is what God's law demands. The offering is what God's love deserves. And then notice next in this passage, we're not only told what we're to give, our tithes and offerings, we're told where we're to give it. He says, bring it to the storehouse. And the storehouse was, was the storage room in the temple where the tithes were kept until they were needed. And it's important for you to notice that the Bible says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. You see, the people of God didn't say, okay, I give 10% and, and I break it up this way. I'm going to give 2% here and 3% here and 3% here and 2% here. No, he said, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse. Why? Because it's not your tithe. You don't determine where you give someone else's money. They determine that. And the tithe isn't yours. The tithe belongs 
to God. In Deuteronomy 12, it says this, Then to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, there you are to bring everything I command you. Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and your special gifts. And so they brought their tithe to the storehouse. Now, you say, well, that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Well, the church is the New Testament equivalent of the temple in the Old Testament. You say, Rocky, how do you know that? Well, first of all, logic. Because the temple was the place where the people of God met. It was the place where the priests and the Levites did the work of God. And, and that's the church today. The church is the body of Christ. But there's another reason. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul tells us, on the first day of the week, we're to bring what we're giving and lay it in store. The Greek word for store there is the same word in Malachi 3 in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, for storehouse. And so Paul is saying, just as you brought your tithe to the storehouse in the Old Testament, you were to bring your tithes and your offerings to the church, the body of Christ, in the New Testament. And what's the reason that we're to give? Well, it says here that there may be food in my house, says the Lord. Well, that's not talking about so we can have Wednesday night meals. That's talking about so the work of God can be accomplished. You see, when we refuse to tithe, we not only are placing ourselves and our family under, under a curse, we are robbing God of the resources that His church needs to carry out his will. You see, tithing is God's way of financing His church. And if, if God's people would just tithe, we could do so much more ministry in our community. If God's people would just tithe, we could do so much more to spread the gospel all around the world. The tithe. So the principle, the tithe is the starting point of generous giving. But let's move on, because the next thing we see is the problem. And here's the problem. We can tithe and still not have a heart fully devoted to God. Now, and if you haven't kept your finger there, turn over to Matthew 23. And in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of his day. And, and this is called the woe passage because, because Jesus is laying down a bunch of woes on these religious leaders of his day. And, and when he gets to Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24, he says this, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you're careful to tithe even the, the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides, you strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now, these religious leaders were careful to tithe from even the tiniest herbs in their own personal gardens out back. In other words, this would be like tithing from every little teeny part-time job you make. Any time you're paid money, However small it may be, you tithe on that. And so you go and do something for somebody and they give you $5. You say, well, I need to tithe on that. It's 50 cents. That's what the Pharisees were doing. They were tithing 
the very smallest things they had. And Jesus said, that's good, that's great. But the problem is, their hearts were not changed. And here's what you need to understand. Look at me. Tithing won't change your heart. You can come to church every Sunday, and you should. It's not going to change your heart. You can read your Bible every day, and you should. It's not going to change your heart. You can pray every day, and you should. It's not going to change your heart. And you should tithe, but that's not going to change your heart. You see, only God can change a person's heart. Only God. Only God can can reach inside and take a, a stony, callous, cold heart and turn it into a soft, warm, pliable heart. Only God can do that. Not religion, not rules, not not discipline. That's not going to change you. It may change the outside. It may change your habits, but it's not going to change you on the inside. Only God can do that. And that's the problem with so many people who inhabit our churches today. We're, we're going through the motions. We're, we're doing all the right things. We really are. We're, we're doing the right things, but, but inside, where it really counts, We've never really been changed. And that's what Jesus is speaking of here. He said, yes, you should tithe, but but don't neglect these more important things, justice and mercy and, and faith. In other words, Jesus is saying, you're tithing, but yet you're taking advantage of the poor. Your system isn't being just to those people. He's saying, yes, you should tithe, but you're not showing mercy. When when people do you wrong, instead of forgiving them, you hold a grudge and you get even. And he says, you're not living by faith. You, You see, some of us, if we started tithing today, it would take a whole lot of faith. Because we've got no excess. And it seems like we're already spending more than we have. And for us to take that leap of faith and tithe, it is a leap of faith. But there are others of us here. It doesn't take faith to tithe. I mean, we've got excess. We pay our bills. We've got money left over. And for us, the issue isn't, Should we tithe? The issue is, are we living in such a way with our finances that is causing us to have to live by faith and trust God? These religious men, they weren't. They were tithing. Oh, there was no justice. There was no mercy. There was no faith. Their heart had not been changed, and that's the problem. And that leads us to the third truth we see in these two passages, and that's the promise. When we tithe, God promises to pour out His blessings on us. Go back to Malachi chapter 3, beginning in the last part of verse 10. It says, if you do tithe, says the Lord of heaven's army, 
I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings so great you won't even have room enough to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and diseases. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's army. Paul teaches this same truth in in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. He says, and God will generously provide all you need then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. In this passage, God says, put me to the test. I want to assure you, this is the only place in Scripture where God says, put me to the test. Everywhere else we are told, do not test the Lord your God. But here... God says, put me to the test. John Templeton, who is the founder of the Templeton Fund, a mutual fund genius, said this. He said, in all my 52 years before I retired as an investment counselor, we were helping people, literally hundreds of thousands of people with their wealth. In all those years, there was only one investment which never proved faulty, and that was tithing. Listen, if the verses I just read, Malachi 3 verses 10 through 12, are true, then the only reason that you would not tithe this morning is because you don't trust God. I've heard people say, I can't afford to tithe. By the way, if you wait until you can afford to tithe, you're probably never going to start tithing. You're going to be like this old couple. A poem was written about them. Let me read the poem. The bride bent with age, leaned over her cane. Her steps uncertain needed guiding. While down the church aisle with a wan, toothless smile came the groom in a wheelchair gliding. And who is this elderly couple thus wed? You'll find when you've closely examined it that this is that rare, most conservative pair who waited till they could afford it. I don't know about you, but when I got married 34 years ago, 33 years ago, we couldn't afford it. We, we sat down and we did a budget to the point that we literally still have the papers where we said a, a box of grits costs this much. A dozen eggs cost this much. I mean, we did it down to the penny, and it didn't make sense. But we knew that we were going to be obedient. And God blessed us exceedingly, abundantly, before more than we could ever ask or imagine. I heard about this man who came up to his pastor one day and said, Pastor, I want to tithe, but I'm so far in debt, I, I can't afford it. I just, I can't see how I can tithe. And the pastor said, John, if I am willing to step in and pay any bill that isn't paid at the end of the month, would you try tithing then? John thought about it for a second. He said, well, pastor, I guess I, if you're willing to pay my bills, if I don't make it, I'll do that. The pastor looked at John and said, John, 
you're willing to trust a poor preacher that has hardly anything and you're not willing to trust the God who owns everything. What about you? I heard about this church in Oklahoma City that gave a a challenge to their church. They said, if you will commit to tithe for one year, and at the end of that one year, you don't feel like you've been blessed, we'll refund every dime you've given. I'm going to give you that same challenge today. You commit to tithe today, and at the end of a year, you feel like God hasn't blessed you, call that church in Oklahoma and they'll refund you money. <laughs> Just kidding. What's the bottom line? The bottom line is this. God says, test me in this. I I can't add to that invitation. God says it pretty clearly. He said, put me to the test. Be obedient. See if I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out my blessings upon you. The question is, are we going to trust God? Here's what I know. There may be some of you here this morning that this is the one thing that is keeping you from experiencing the breakthrough that God has for you. Wouldn't that be a terrible thing? Because you didn't trust God and step out into the generous life. You missed all that God has for you. So my invitation is simple. God gave it. Test Him. Trust Him. See if He'll not open up the windows of heaven. Pour out His blessings on you to the point you won't have room to hold it. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I'd be amiss if, if I didn't take a moment before we go any further and, and extend an invitation to anyone here who does not know Jesus. If, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, this is what I know. Everything that I've said is strange sounding. <laughs> it's It's weird. Doesn't make sense. And so if you don't know Jesus, I I don't want you to think about tithing. I want you to think about giving your life to him. I want you to think about giving your life to the creator who sent his son Jesus to redeem you when you rebelled against him, when you chose to live your life independent of him. That's the God we have. And he wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to adopt you into his family. So if you're here this morning and you know you need Jesus and you're ready to give your life to him, I encourage you to pray this prayer right now. Dear God, I come to you this morning humbly asking you to forgive me. I know I've sinned. I've rebelled. I've lived life my way. Please forgive me. Jesus, I know you love me. 
You came to this earth. You lived a perfect life. You died on the cross as the payment for my sins. You rose from the grave defeating sin and death. Right here, I'm asking you to save me. I'm trusting you. Come into my life. I'm giving my life to you, Jesus. Take control. In this moment all, Jesus, I want to live for you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.